0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An introduction to logical fallacies, giving specific attention to the logical fallacies of the heliocentric model. Aristotle identified 13 primary fallacies in his Sophistical Refutations. You can see the table here. We are going to go through these one at a time, and we're going to go through also the developments in logic over the past centuries since Aristotle. Number one, equivocation. Equivocation is the use of a single word that has different meanings in the argument. For example, heliocentrists will argue, premise one, all images are composite. Premise two, NASA uses composite images to represent the Earth. Conclusion, NASA is completely honest in representing the Earth with composite images. The fallacy here is that the word composite means two different things in the argument. In premise one, the meaning of composite is the objective composition of the image by a camera device. In premise two, the meaning of composite is the manipulation of the original device composition image to conform to theoretical beliefs of the one manipulating the image. Equivocation fallacy. Number two. Whereas equivocation focuses on ambiguity in the words used, amphiboly, focuses on grammar and sentence structure. For example, one may argue, premise, Steve saw Polaris on the mountain with a telescope. Conclusion, Steve used the state's telescope and doesn't own one himself. The fallacy of the conclusion is that the grammar of the statement makes it unclear whether Steve owns his own telescope that he used to see Polaris with on the mountain, or that Steve saw Polaris on a mountain that is known to contain its own telescope. Thus, amphiboly. Number three. Composition implies that what is true of the whole is true of the parts. So What's called the fallacy of composition. For example, heliocentrists will argue, premise, flat earthers say NASA is lying to us about the nature of the earth. Conclusion, flat earthers must then believe that every employee of NASA is involved with a global conspiracy. That's a fallacy of composition. Number four, the fallacy of division is the opposite of composition. Division is the fallacy of attributing what is true of the parts to the whole. For example, heliocentrists will argue that since some flat earth believers are ignorant of science, that this is true of the entire movement or the model in essence the fallacy of division. Number five, the fallacy of accent is the fallacy of introducing ambiguity in a statement by the emphasis in tone on a certain word or part of a statement. For example, if I said, I didn't take the test t- yesterday, the implication is generally, I didn't take the test at all. However, if I said, I didn't take the test yesterday, and emphasize the word yesterday, The implication would be that I did take the test, but on another day, other than yesterday. That's the fallacy of accent. Number six. The fallacy of figure of speech is conflating a literal with a metaphorical meaning. For instance, heliocentrists use the expression, what goes up must come down, to defend their own ideas of gravity, whereas literally, they don't believe in any such thing as up and down. Just complete lunacy. Number seven. A fallacy of accident is the act of making a generalization by ignoring an exception to a generally accepted rule of thumb, thus making the general true of every particular. For example, we accept as generally true that we can trust our senses. However, when the sun sets, we must take into consideration the accident that when the sun is behind hundreds of miles of atmosphere, the refraction deceives our senses into thinking the sun is dipping below the horizon. So called atmospheric lensing. Number 8. Segundum quid, or the hasty generalization fallacy, argues from the particular to the general. What is true of the particular must be of the general. For instance, heliocentrists argue that gravity must be true because though the stars in general appear to carousel the Earth as satellites, in the flat Earth model, the moons of Jupiter show retrograde motion. Their mistake is not acknowledging the celestial liquid, thus the segundum quid fallacy. Number 9. Ignorantio elincti uh, simply means missing the point or missing the refutation. This is general enough to apply to every fallacy, so I won't belabor the point. Number 10. The petitio principi, or begging the question fallacy, is a fallacy of assuming what must be first proved. It is the fallacy of making the conclusion one of the premises of the argument. This is the favorite fallacy of the heliocentrists. They will argue that the Earth must be a sphere, because if we first assume the Earth is a sphere, we can explain sunsets. They will argue that the Earth is a sphere, because if we first assume it is a sphere, we can explain lunar eclipses, etc. Okay. It's, it's also overlaps with the affirming the consequent fallacy, which is what all scientific laws are based on. Number 11. The non-causa, pro-causa fallacy, or post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy, after which, therefore, because of which, is a fallacy that asserts the cause of a thing simply because it proceeds it. For example, heliocentrists say that ships sink in our perspective as they pass the horizon. Therefore, the sinking is caused by the curvature of the earth. Post hoc ergo propter hoc. I mean, that, that's like the, every law of science is based on this fallacy. Okay, When we say that something caused another thing, all we're really saying is that this has happened in the past. Therefore, one thing has caused another. Post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy. The affirming the consequent fallacy is another favorite of the heliocentrists. The argument basically proceeds by the hypothetical syllogism. If X is true... I should expect to see Y, I do see Y, therefore X is true. Aristotle states in *On Sophistical Refutation, Section 1, Part 5, quote, The refutation which depends upon the consequent arises because people suppose that the relation of consequence is convertible. For whenever suppose A is, B necessarily is, they then suppose also that if B is, A necessarily is. This is also the source of the deceptions that attend opinions based on sense perception. For people often suppose bile to be honey, because honey is attended by a yellow color. Also, since after rain, the ground is wet, in consequence, we suppose that if the ground is wet, it has been raining. Whereas, that does not necessarily follow. In rhetoric, proofs from signs are based on consequences. For when uh, rhetoricians wish to show that a man is an adulterer, they take hold of some consequence of an adulterous life, viz. that the man is smart, dressed, or that he is observed to wander about at night. There are, however, many people of whom these things are true, while the charge in question is untrue. It happens like this also in real reasoning, e.g. Melissa's argument that the universe is eternal assumes that the universe has not come to be. For from what is not nothing could possibly come to be. And that what has come to be has done so from a first beginning. If therefore the universe has not come to be, it has no first beginning, and is therefore eternal. But this does not necessarily follow. For even if what has come to be always has a first beginning, it does not also follow that what has a first beginning has come to be, any more than it follows that if a man in a fever be hot, a man who is hot must be in a fever. Quote. All scientific theories are affirming the consequent fallacies. I have debated this issue literally hundreds of times with atheists, heliocentrists. Many atheists and heliocentrists are shocked to discover that atheist heliocentrist scholars have also admitted the problem with the scientific method. This is Bertrand Russell quotation: All inductive arguments in the last resort reduce themselves to the following form: If this is true, that is true. Now that is true, therefore this is true. This argument is, of course, formally fallacious. Suppose I were to say, if bread is a stone and stones are nourishing, then this bread will nourish me. Now this bread does nourish me, therefore it is a stone and stones are nourishing. If I were to advance such an argument, I should certainly be thought foolish. Yet it would not be fundamentally different from the argument upon which all scientific laws are based. From the Scientific Outlook, published 1931. First published in 1931 by George Allen and Unwin, L.D.T., LTD, London, this edition published in 2009 by Taylor and Francis, e-Library, page 51. Faced with the reality of these admissions, heliocentrists will try a multitude of word games and mental gymnastics. They will try to change the meaning of my argument as well as their own understanding of a scientific hypothesis to avoid facing their error. Induction is a method to determine the formal cause of something which is only known to Elohim. Thus these men seek to make themselves God, To clarify and dispel all the shade these petulant children wish to hide in, my argument, I think Russell's as well, is that the nature of the scientific hypothesis is by definition in essay and simpliciter in affirming the consequent fallacy. Dr. Carrier states, quote, The seed from which the success of science was born is a simple three-step process, adduction, deduction, induction. In general, we identify a problem, gather relevant data, formulate a hypothesis, usually an explanatory model of what is really going on, and test the predictions entailed by that hypothesis, looking for whatever would have to be the case and whatever could not be the case if our model were correct. In other words, we creatively adduce an hypothesis from some collection of data and questions about that data. Then we logically deduce what new facts that hypothesis must entail if it is true, and then employ an and then employ any of a variety of empirical, inductive methods to test that hypothesis by seeing if these new predictions hold up. That's from Sense and Goodness Without God, page 214. This is the affirming the consequent fallacy. If P, then Q, Q, therefore P. This was the exact argument I was taught in the public school system about evolution. And this is how the argument goes in the textbooks. If evolution is true, we should expect to observe homology. We do observe homology, therefore evolution is true. That is a classic affirming the consequent fallacy. My opponents will try a word game and switch around the premises to change the very nature of a hypothesis in order to psychologically confuse their opponent. Notice above, Dr. Carrier states that the hypothesis comes before the predicted observation, stating, quote, formulate a hypothesis, usually an explanatory model of what is really going on, and test the predictions entailed by that hypothesis, unquote. What these men will do is formulate the following syllogism. If we observe homology, evolution is true. We do observe homology, therefore evolution is true. The syllogism is a valid form, but not a hypothesis. And the first premise begs the question. The YouTuber Flat Earth Math replied to my example of a syllogism guilty of the affirming consequent fallacy, stating, if it's raining outside, the streets will be wet the streets are wet, therefore it is raining outside, with, quote, a much better approach would be to change the conclusion above, therefore it may have rained, which simply adds rain to the list of possibilities on which the ground is wet, unquote. This would again change the nature of a hypothesis. The syllogism would then not begin with if evolution is true or if heliocentrism is true. It would be if evolution is a possibility, then X X, therefore, evolution is possible. That is not how evolution and the globe were presented to me in school. They were presented as absolute truths. And I I was trained by atheists. I was trained in the public school system. This is absolutely disgusting manipulation. Secondly, affirming something is a possibility proves nothing. No one has omniscience of all the possibilities, and thus no one can prove which possibility is necessarily true evolution, heliocentrism, the moon landing and dinosaurs were not presented as mere possibilities to me in the public school system. They were presented as absolute truths in pursuit of a total destruction of the Bible and the cause of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant people in the modern world. This is what what they're doing here is what's called tribalism. They know they're wrong. Okay? But admitting that does not afford them the power they want in society. Okay? They're following Nietzsche this, this life is a will to power and nothing besides. Okay, They don't care about the truth. They care about arguments that give them power in society, political power. I wanted to do a video on the scientific method. I, <laughs> I I've been buying textbooks, college textbooks, physics textbooks, and astronomy textbooks, and just... Going through all the, these are university textbooks. This is a Pearson publication, which is standard university issue. And this is this is the according to the book itself, uh, co- the comprehensive uh, introduction to astronomy that they give to uh, college students who uh, want to know about astronomy. And I want you to see hundreds of university professors that went into this. This is like the definitive work on uh, on astronomy in the universities. This is hundreds of university professors that went through this. Just hundreds of them. Okay? Look at all these people. Okay? Just, the list just keeps going. All these these professors at these universities, okay? So the, the first thing the first thing I did when I got this book is I wanted to see what they would say about inductive science and uh, the whole idea of inductive reasoning. And here it is. I don't want to just shake my hand the whole time, so I'm just going to take a picture of this, and we'll just go through this line by line. This is hilarious, folks. This is absolutely... These people, what they're about to do, what I'm about to give you is not just a few people's opinion. You sh- you sh- saw all the professors that went into this. This is the definitive book on science and astronomy in as given to us by the beast United States government, okay? And I'm going to I'm going to show you what they say. This is absolutely astounding. Okay, so the quotation begins. In science we attempt to acquire knowledge through logical reasoning. A logical argument begins with a set of premises and leads to one or more conclusions. Note that logical argument therefore differs somewhat from the definition of argument in everyday life, since logical arguments need not imply any animosity. There are two basic types of logical argument, deductive and inductive. Both are important in science. In a deductive argument, the conclusion follows automatically from the premises, as in this example. Premise all planets orbit the Sun in eclipses with the Sun at one focus premise earth is a planet conclusion earth orbits the Sun in an ellipse with the Sun at one focus note the construction of the deductive argument the first premise is a general statement that applies to all planets and the conclusion is a specific statement that applies only to earth As this example suggests, we often use deduction to deduce a specific prediction from a more general theory. If the specific prediction proves to be false, then something must be wrong with the premises from which it was deduced. If it proves true, then we've acquired a piece of evidence in support of the premises. Now contrast the deductive argument above with the following example of an inductive argument. Uh, But before I... uh, uh, do that, I want, I want to examine real quick the the conclusion to the first syllogism it gives us, okay, notice it says Earth orbits in the sun in an ellipse with the sun at one focus, okay um, in the ellipse with the sun at one focus, that's the, the sun in an ellipse with the sun at one focus that is the major term, the major premise, okay whereas Earth, that is the minor, okay, they, th- this is actually a valid form, alright And I'm going to show you from basic text on the issue. This is actually a syllogism and notice it's in three parts Okay, you're not going to see that coming up (laughs) This stuff is hilarious. Okay now contrast the deductive argument above with the following example of an inductive argument This is this is just this is just precious folks Notice there's one two three four five different parts to this okay Premise, birds fly up into the air, but eventually come back down. Premise, people who jump into the air fall back down. Premise, rocks thrown into the air fall back down. Premise, balls thrown into the air come back down. Conclusion, what what goes up must come down. Okay, notice what's missing (laughs) in the conclusion. A major and minor premise. Where's your middle term? It's, this isn't a syllogism it's in five different parts We're, we'll get to that so this just, is just this is the the definitive book on science and astronomy in universities and I, I, I mean <laughs> you can't write this stuff okay all right Const- con- 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 Continuing. Because each premise supports the conclusion, you might at first think that this is a strong inductive argument, (laughs) if you don't know anything about logic, uh, and that its conclusion probably is true. However, no matter how many more examples you consider of objects that go up and come down, you could never prove that the conclusion is true. Do you realize what they just admitted? What did they say? You could never prove the conclusion is true, only that it seems likely to be true. They just admitted to you, science can never prove anything to be true. They they just admitted to you, Hundreds of professors went into this. This is the definitive book given by the universities in America. They just admitted to you what I have staked my whole life on for the last 15 years. Okay? They're admitting it right out of their mouth. Drake's been right the whole time. Okay? Everything Drake's gone through, we're admitting is true. All the crap he's had to deal with for the last 15 years has all been for the truth. Moreover, a single counterexample can prove the conclusion of an inductive argument to be false. For example, in this case we know that the conclusion is false because the spacecraft Voyager 2 was launched from Earth and never fell back down. Inductive arguments generalize from specific facts to a broader model or theory. Thus, inductive arguments are the arguments used to build scientific theories. Because we use them to infer general principles from observations and experiments. That is why, here, here we go, that is why theories can never be proved true beyond all doubt they can only be shown to be consistent with ever larger bodies of evidence. Theories can be proved false, however, if they fail to account for observed or experimental facts. They just admitted everything I've been saying for years on end. So now I got another book here for you, The Art of Reason. This is the book on rhetoric that I got when when I was in college. Uh, in graduate school sorry this was the standard book we had to read uh, to uh, pass the scores which I did when I was in graduate school I'm sorry I'm all over the place here which I did when I was in graduate school and again I'm just going to take a picture of this so I don't have to just keep meddling with the camera here all right I'm going to start um, at the second paragraph down where it says any argument that has two categorical premises a categorical conclusion and the same internal structure as this argument is a category categorical syllogism watch this every syllogism has three propositions since every proposition has two terms there could be six uh, distinct terms here but there aren't there are only three whales mammals and animals that breathe by means of lungs each term occurring twice and notice we didn't have three propositions in the inductive uh, syllogism, did we? It was a, That was a complete mess, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. This pattern exists in every categorical syllogism, and each of the three terms has, has a distinct name. The term that occurs in the predicate of the conclusion, quote, animals that breathe by means of lungs, unquote, is called the major term of the syllogism. This term also occurs in one of the premises, two, which is therefore called the major premise. The term that occurs in the subject of the conclusion is called the minor term. Okay, Was that in that syllogism? No. no. This term occurs as well in the other premise, which we therefore label the minor premise. That leaves mammals, which is not part of the conclusion but occurs once in each of the premises. It is called the middle term because it serves to link together the major and minor premises terms schematically the pattern we were missing that too weren't we schematically the pattern of repetition is major term all m or p minor term all s or m and conclusion all s or p is, is that what we saw no it, what we saw there in those five propositions that the the federal government the department of education gave us was a was what my friend Jacob called proof by curiosity it was a total mess. And then they admitted after they wrote out that complete tragedy, that abortion of an argument, that they're, they're admitting, uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, you can't ever prove it to be true. They admitted it, folks. There's, there's no more opinion to be had on this. This is a now established fact. The southern Israelite, as he has said for years on his platforms, has laid down his life for, has all been true. I've documented it. I've showed you from the primary sources. I'm right. And they admit it. The only way to demonstrate that anything is true is a syllogism. Propositions are the only objects that can be true or false by definition. And the syllogism is the way we determine a valid argument. Aristotle states in his Posterior Analytics, Book 1, Part 2, quote, there may be another manner of knowing, as well, that will be discussed later. What I now assert is that all events we do know by demonstration. By demonstration, I mean a syllogism productive of scientific knowledge. A syllogism that is the grasp of which is a o ipso such knowledge. Assuming then that my thesis as to the nature of scientific knowing is correct, the premises of demonstrated knowledge must be true, primary, immediate better known than and prior to the conclusion, which is further related to them as effect to cause, unless these conditions are satisfied, the basic truths will not be appropriate to the conclusion. Syllogism, there may be indeed, be without these conditions, but such condition, not being productive of scientific knowledge, will not be demonstration." Quote. Yet Francis Bacon admits in his Novum Organum, Book Number 1, Section 13, the syllogism is not applied to the principles of the sciences and is of no avail in intermediate axioms as being very unequal to the subtlety of nature. It forces assent, therefore, and not things. Footnote, it would appear from this and two preceding aphorisms that Bacon fell into the error of denying the utility of the syllogism in the very part of inductive science where it is essentially required. Unquote. Uh, I would maintain to the editor there um, the reason why Bacon is foregoing the syllogism is because he knows logic he wrote a whole book on it he understands that the inductive method is itself in an essay and simplicity or a formal fallacy the, these men at these universities they know this stuff the, the big, the heads of the departments I've talked to them I had a conversation a few years ago with the head of the mathematics department at uh, University of Louisville he told me, he just flat out told me he said "Yeah, there's, there's no way to prove science is true. There's really no way to prove anything is true. And he told me that they had that all the heads of the different departments at UofL had met just the week that I talked to him. And he told me we, we had a meeting where we all agreed that there there is no such thing as truth. That it's everything is just subjective opinion. Yep. <laughs> these, these men, these graduate student boys, these people on the internet, they don't know this stuff. They, they don't know it. They do not Know the philosophy of science. They don't know how to put together an argument. They know all kinds of physics and mathematical equations and stuff, but they don't know how to interpret anything and how to put together an argument that actually proves something. They don't. They don't know this stuff. The globeheads don't know this stuff. I'm not saying the flat earthers do either, but I mean the globeheads are enfranchised. They have the enfranchisement. They should know these things. They don't. Okay. Um, Roman numeral fifty-four. Some men become attached to particular sciences and contemplations either from supposing themselves the authors and inventors of them or from having bestowed the greatest pains upon such subjects and thus become most habituated and thus become most habituated to them if men of this description apply themselves to philosophy in contemplations of a universal nature they rest and corrupt them by their preconceived fancies of which aristotle affords us a single instance who made his natural philosophy completely subservient to his logic, and thus rendered it little more than useless and uh, disputatious? Unquote. That's Bacon. Okay. That's why he's telling you why he's rejecting the syllogism, because c- science does not uh, submit to logical validity. It, it, it is not rational. He's, he's admitting it. it's not rational, and that that is a huge problem for these atheist boys. Number 13. The complex question fallacy, or loaded question, is a question that assumes upon the truth of a proposition yet to be demonstrated. For example, when a heliocentrist tries to transfer the burden of proof from himself to his opponent, he will ask, quote, what evidence proves the earth is flat? The word evidence is loaded. It could mean direct observation, syllogism, inductive hypotheses, or a mathematical equation. The famous example is the loaded question, have you stopped beating your wife yet? That's the uh, classic, uh, classic, uh, uh, loaded question. And it really, when, they, when these heliocentrists ask us what proof do you have the Earth is flat, that that assumes that they have proof the Earth is a sphere, and that they they actually care about proof and evidence, which we, we, they, they don't. They don't. They don't have any proof. And even when we show them the problems in their own theory, they don't acknowledge them. Okay, the ones that do acknowledge them become flat earthers. <laughs> Ever since Aristotle, we have added a number of other fallacies. The ad hoc fallacy asserts something baselessly. Example, the heliocentrists assert baselessly that Polaris is perfectly mirroring the Earth's tilting, wobbling in orbit around the sun, requiring a navigation system so complex it baffles the mind. This this imaginary line, somehow baselessly by ad hoc reasoning, has this incredible navigation system in its imaginary essence. Total nonsense. Heliocentrists cannot simply assert that the Earth's axis is aligned with Polaris. That is just a theory. Theories are baseless without evidence. By what means is the Earth's axis aligned with Polaris? They need to answer these questions. The appeal to consequences fallacy is a fallacy that states that a thesis is wrong because of the results of accepting a thesis being true example heliocentrists demand that science is true because even if there are logical fallacies at the root of all science people still need it and by, by science I'm talking about theoretical theoretical physics okay <clears throat> I, I completely acknowledge uh, observation as being a legitimate uh, form of science and experimentation legitimate form of science but uh, the theoretical inductive part is uh, that that, that Leads nowhere. The appeal to motive fallacy is a fallacy that states a thesis is wrong because of a presumed motive of the proponent. Example, heliocentrism is true because it appeals to our motive of humility, being an insignificant organism in an infinite universe. I've had heliocentrists tell me that numerous times. Oh, you think you're just you, you, they'll completely avoid my arguments. Oh, this, this flat Earth or geocentric thing. This is your pride and making yourself more special. That's that's appeal to motive fallacy, bro. <clears throat> they will commit the straw man fallacy and argue that my view of science is a nirvana fallacy because I demand that science be perfect. When in fact, that is not my argument. My argument is that it is completely impotent. Theoretical science, I mean. Okay? Straw man just means you you change the argument of your opponent and argue against that because it's easier to refute rather than what he actually said. Okay. The Tuquoké fallacy is a fallacy that states that a thesis is wrong because the proponent is hypocritical. Example, heliocentrists argue that since I say all scientific laws are based on logical fallacies, but I use science, I'm a hypocrite. Therefore, all scientific laws are not based on logical fallacies. <laughs> Tuquoké. fallacy. The genetic fallacy is a fallacy that states that a thesis is wrong because of its origin. Example, heliocentrists assert that heliocentrism is true because it came out of the Enlightenment while the flat earth came from the desert-dwelling sheep herders of the Bronze Age. Genetic fallacy. The moving the goalpost fallacy. Oh, the globeheads love this one. Uh, This fallacy changes the criteria or goal of a competition in the process in order to gain an advantage. Example, heliocentrists use this fallacy when we show them buildings that we can see 60 miles away. They will commit this fallacy and assert that the Earth is now bigger than we first presumed. They'll change their own position to say that the Earth is bigger than we first presumed. They will also use the same fallacy when we show them there is no annual parallax. They will commit this fallacy and assert that the stars are farther away than we first presumed. They, they, They change their position. What they're really saying is, the Earth's not a sphere. That's what they're really saying, but they're they're going to hide that premise so that they can move the goalpost so that you don't refute their position. So moving the goalpost fallacy. Okay. Oh, the Earth's bigger. The stars are farther. It's exactly what the moving the goalpost fallacy is—changing the criteria or goal of a competition. Okay. So how can you admit your eight inches per mile? I, I have this red's rhetoric, dude. I w- watched uh, last year. He, I made some videos on him. I mean, he flat out admitted the eight inches per mile squared thing is wrong. Just flat out admitted it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh yeah, our 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 uh, our equation was wrong, but the Earth's still a globe. No, no, dude. The eight inches per mile squared is the equation that describes a globe. What you're saying is, the, if the equation is wrong, there is no globe. <laughs> Total liars. The no-true-Scotsman fallacy attempts to protect a group identity by changing the definition of the group identity in an ad hoc fashion to exclude the criticism. Example, the atheists in the communist regimes that were responsible for the murder of millions of people weren't true atheists. You'll point this stuff out at them all the time. These atheist people. You, you realize your people murdered over 120 million people last century. And that, that's not including the hundreds of millions of in the abortion clinic. Oh, well, those weren't true atheists. <laughs> No true Scotsman fallacy, sir. Next, the special pleading fallacy applies criteria to others, but excludes oneself from that criteria. Example, the heliocentric view of tides is special pleading, and the overwhelming exception fallacy, where the gravity of the moon, exponentially smaller than the earth, overpowers the gravity of the earth. Another example, the flat earth model cannot explain everything, so it is incorrect. The heliocentrist model cannot explain everything either, but it is correct. It's special pleading. The argument from incredulity fallacy affirms that an argument is false simply because one cannot grasp how it could be. Example, heliocentrists argue that they cannot grasp how thousands of people could work together in this conspiracy. Therefore, there is no NASA conspiracy despite the evidence. Okay, that's... The argument from incredulity. I just, I just can't come to grips with how this could be, therefore it can't be. It's incredulity fallacy. The onus probande fallacy. Oh, this is a favorite one. Switches the burden of proof from oneself to the opponent without justification. Example. Heliocentrists argue that even though they have had control of the American space program and billions of dollars in funding for six decades, flat earther advocates on YouTube with no government funding have all the burden of proof. <laughs> That's a favorite. The ad hominem fallacy is personally attacking someone as a justification for dismissing their arguments. Example, heliocentrists often dismiss arguments from flat earthers calling them idiots and uneducated for making arguments heliocentrists can't answer. The appealed authority fallacy asserts that something is true because an educator believes it, even though his colleagues may disagree with him, or the issue may be completely outside of his expertise or evidence completely contradictory to his beliefs. Example, creationism is wrong because the professional scientists reject it. Flat Earth is wrong because the university rejects it. But we have evidence that shows they're wrong. Just appealing to an authority to dismiss evidence, that's, that's a fallacy. The appeal to novelty fallacy affirms that something is true because it is modern. Uh, example, heliocentrism is true because it is the modern view. The appeal to popularity fallacy asserts that an argument is true if the mass of the population believes it, and false if they don't. Example, heliocentrists argue that flat earthers don't have enough subscribers on their YouTube channels. Uh, Miley Cyrus has 10 million subscribers, so subscriptions and intellectual content are not correlated. And, and you look Back in the Middle Ages, in the ancient world, the popular view was that the Earth is a sphere. And and geocentric sphere. The appeal to wealth fallacy, this is a favorite, asserts that the arguments made by rich people are true by virtue of their correlated wealth, while arguments made by poor people are untrue by virtue of their poverty. I I get this all the time. Uh, Example heliocentrists argue that flat earthers are a bunch of poor, redneck, religious nutcases. Okay? Well, what about Nikola Tesla? Nikola Tesla was one of the greatest scientists, if not the greatest scientist. To ever live, at least after Newton. He, he lived in poverty. Died in poverty. <laughs> the argument from fallacy affirms that an argument is wrong because one part is a fallacy in order to hide from the fact that one part is true. Example, heliocentrists argue that creationists use arguments that contradict the laws of physics while adhering to the laws of physics. Therefore, there was no creation. Okay. Pointing out that someone makes a mistake in their argument doesn't nullify the whole argument what's called an argument from fallacy. The argument from ignorance fallacy affirms that since an argument has not been proven false, that it is true. Example, heliocentrists argue that since flat earthers have not proven every aspect of their model, they have failed to disprove heliocentrism, proving heliocentrism is true. Argument from ignorance. The cherry-picking fallacy selects parts of available evidence while ignoring the rest, arbitrarily. Example, heliocentrists try to prove the glow by pointing to video from a camera with a fisheye lens, and not from the video footage from a camera without a fisheye lens. Heliocentrists also try to prove the globe by pointing to military manuals that say ballistics is done by taking the Coriolis effect into consideration, while ignoring the many other manuals that say they don't. I had a professor, I debated on that very issue last year. The confirmation bias fallacy affirms that one need not search for evidence that contradicts one's position, but only to search for evidence that supports it. Example, Heliocentrists ignore the many works by reputable academicians such as Hawking and Einstein and Bertrand Russell who admit that heliocentrism was never proved. I, I document this in my book, folks. They admitted this. The circular reasoning fallacy is an argument where the conclusion is used as a premise. Example, Heliocentrists tell us the way to identify a numeric substance is to determine its spatiotemporal location. And the way to identify a spatiotemporal location is to determine its numeric substance. That's circular reasoning. The distinction without a difference fallacy makes a distinction between two identical things without making known the difference. Example, flat earthers accuse heliocentrists of appealing to occult powers with their doctrine of gravity. Heliocentrists respond by admitting the cause of gravity is unknown, but not occult. Okay? It's a distinction without a difference. Oh yeah, yeah, gravity is exactly what the occultists and the alchemists said their universal spirit was, but uh, gravity is not occult. No. no. It, it's just the exact same thing the occult views as the universal spirit in the, in the pantheist model. It's, it's exactly the same thing, but it's not. Uh, why is it not? Well, Because I don't want to say that. I don't want to say it's not, therefore it's not. It it doesn't make me feel good to admit that, so I'm not going to admit it. (laughs) That's the distinction without a difference fallacy. The false analogy fallacy tries to make a point by drawing an analogy that is not analogous to the point. Example. Heliocentrists argue that twirling an object on a string in a circle is analogous to a centrifugal force in the doctrine of gravity, whereas one is action at a distance, the other is not. False analogy fallacy. People do that all the time. You gotta make sure when people are making comparisons to your view that their comparison is analogous that it actually is similar to what you're saying. The false authority fallacy attributes authority credit to a man or a group that does not specialize in the era area of consideration. Example heliocentrists make much of the nature of mass when determining their gravity equations, yet know absolutely nothing of the centuries of disputation on the meaning of a numeric substance. I make this argument myself about the uh, the oceans. Okay, they'll admit. So, so so gravity is strong enough to hold down millions of tons of water to the Earth, but birds and insects can fly around like nothing's going on. That's not, they'll, those all oh, well. You see, the mass of the of the ocean is different. Uh, of a subject of the ocean is different from the mass of a subject of a fly. What what is a subject of the ocean? How many ounces is a subject of the ocean, a substance? How many? How many, how many cells? How many molecules until you get a subject that you can experiment with? Total arbitrariness. The Firtirif fallacy blames the outcomes of an event on the misconduct of leaders. Example, Neil deGrasse Tyson just said this the other day on Twitter. The rise of flat earthers in society provides some of the best evidence for the failure of our educational system. <laughs> You know, your, your model has failed. We have proven it wrong. Blaming the reader, the leaders of our of our nation for your failure is a fortiori fallacy. The moral high ground fallacy seeks to escape defending one's position due to moral superiority. Example: I don't have to listen or validly respond to the arguments of the Southern Israelite because he worships an immoral, violent god. Virtue signal. It's the moral high ground fallacy. I've actually had that happen. The moralistic fallacy seeks to dismiss the position of an opponent due to a presumption that the opponent's position would morally stain the population. Example. Heliocentrists may say that the flat earth model is oppressive to the human psyche due to its view of an authoritarian god, therefore it's wrong. The proof-by-intimidation fallacy seeks to prove a point by using educated-sounding language or statistics that exhaust an opponent's uh, educational abilities so the opponent is obliged to accept the proponent's proposition. Example, heliocentrism is true no matter how confusing my explanation is why east-west plane flights take the same time. It doesn't matter that I cannot explain that to you. What I mean by saying clouds are attached to the earth, you are too uneducated to ever understand. The proving too much fallacy affirms a point that feeds one's own position. Example, if gravity is how millions of tons of water are stuck to the earth, then flight should be impossible. Well, the gravity chooses between the different objects it wants to act differently upon. Now you're attributing intelligence and will to gravity, so gravity is a person? Proving too much. Proving too much. The red herring is a diversive argument. Example. So, what proof do you have that the Earth is a spinning ball? Answer: the southern stars. How does a flat Earth work with the southern stars? Right? They they, they can't prove anything. They they, they go to some thing about the southern stars, about stars revolving around Sigma Octantis. Somehow that proves the Earth's a spinning ball. You, you're asserting things you cannot give an account for, sir. You would need some way to stick people upside down. And and pointing to gravity is meaningless nonsense. There is no definition or mechanism for such a concept. It is just what you want to be true. Because you're a liar. The reification fallacy makes abstractions concrete realities. Example, the axis of the earth is honed in on Polaris, right? How, How does some imaginary line become a real thing that has a navigational potency to it. <laughs> the wishful thinking fallacy is an fir- affirmation of baseless hope. Example, yeah, we don't have proof the earth is a spinning ball, but it's coming. We're going to get it sometime in the future. We'll get it. Okay, that's a, what's called a wishful thinking fallacy. Okay. So, um that's a complete refutation of the heliocentric model. I dare any of you butthurt atheists to show this to your professor, and to have him answer my arguments. Okay? I know you're not going to. <laughs> I know I my my channel's Algoed, big time. It's been Algoed. All my my websites for years have been Algoed. Um I, I started posting a few years ago, I started posting some links to my friend on on Facebook Messenger and Facebook will not allow the link to be shared. It won't allow it. It'll, it don't it, it says that my web websites are, are blocked by the government. The government makes sure that my, my websites are blocked on social media. So, yeah, that's I only have 1,300... So no, no one can deal with what I'm saying. No one can deal with my platform. Uh, and, and because of that, I, I'm deliberately censored by the government. Uh, I, I'm on the Southern Poverty Hate Watch list and a bunch of other, th- other uh, government uh, uh, censorship platforms. I, I had people writing newspaper columns about me a few years ago, and ever since then, I've just been completely... Uh, completely sidelined, marginalized by the YouTube and by uh, whoever's responsible for censoring people on the Internet, whoever's doing it. i am I, go big time. Because they, they know they can't answer what I'm saying. These Christians can't answer me. These atheists can't answer me. These communists, these libertarians cannot deal with what I'm saying. I'm the philosopher of the coming age. I prob- I'll probably die before anything ever really happens here, but I have a number of very intelligent young men who will pick up right where I left off. So, uh, Sorry, my books have already been dispersed all over the world. <laughs> so you, you guys can... I, I don't care. I'll die in poverty doing this. I don't care. Uh, I'm going to train a handful of young men who are going to make your lives a living hell in the future. So that's fine with me. You can algo me. You can censor me all you want. Uh, My message is going to get out, and uh, I'm going to have my nation back for my people. From you lunatics, you absolute lunatics, Southern Israelite signing off. Chill out, peace. This is the Southern Israelite signing off. My mission in these videos and my other websites is the creation of a new nation for the British and Northern European Protestant peoples in North America and abroad in the continuation of the Protestant Reformation in reaction to and preparation for the inevitable crisis coming upon the West and certainly North America in preparation for this great task I have written 10 scholarly books an academic bibliography thousands of articles and essays and compiled detailed print and audio libraries available for free online and have presented these works against the best scrutiny that I could find both from personal and print form academic sources I offer my work for free at the Google Drive, linked in the description, but I have also provided my work in paperback form at lulu.com, which is also linked in the description. My books are the following, 225 Reasons Why I Believe the Earth is Flat, the title is a sufficient description the myth of gender equality, which is an exposure of feminism and the sexual revolution, where I expose the fact that the way of life lived by most people in the West today was created by a gang of professional pedophiles, child rapists, and pathological liars at the Kinsey Institute that created our abortion holocaust, the destruction of the family, the human trafficking industry. These are the greatest crimes in world history index and miscellaneous articles of Protestant messianic eschatology which exposes the Roman Empire and its extension the Holy Roman Empire and the Catholic religion as the greatest enemy of mankind the next book is a timeline of Jesuit intrigue this is a detailed timeline of the significant events leading up to the present day from the Protestant historicist perspective which fingers the Jesuit order of the Roman Catholic Church as being the most influential group of men in the modern world Their intended goal is the fulfillment of the three-age prophecy of Joachim of Fiore and thus the destruction of all traditional religions and ways of life pursuant to an international communist government. A defense of the South against the Jesuit Counter-Reformation where I exposed the United States government for 150 years of theft, rape, murder, religious and ethnic genocide started by the virtue-signaling Christian Pelagian narcissists in New England, and how they have manipulated the world with their baseless virtue-signaling morality. I also discuss the Bible's teachings on race and nationalism. I also go into detail about how the neo-Nazis are simply Darwinian atheists, and how they've worked those ideas out consistently, and the disgusting dishonesty of modern liberals. To say they believe in Darwinism and then completely reject neo-Nazism, which is Darwinism in its raison d'entree. That's what neo-Nazism is, is Darwinism. And how the neo-Nazis are wrong about the Jews. I mean, what I am doing is the proper response to neo nazism The liberals they have completely failed to silence these people, and there's a reason. They have a fundamental philosophical inconsistency. The next book's Conquering the Verbal Sorcery of Trinitarianism, where I expose the Buddhist, pagan, and neoplatonic roots of early Catholic Christian theology and how it has affected the world and helped foment modern communism. The next book, 166 Theses Against the Jews, the Hebrew Roots, the Ebionites, the Muslims, and the Premillennialists where I exposed the root error of all the major organized religions that claim Abraham as their forebear, namely the rabbinic Talmudic teaching that the destruction of the first temple was God's indication that the Levitical blood atonements were a mere vestigial appendage to the Mosaic covenant and that the law of Moses given by the Creator was only intended for the Jews, as summarized in the infamous Jewish Noahide doctrine next book is Thomas Jefferson Was Wrong, an exposure of the modern American patriot movement, where I expose the American founding fathers as belligerent Satanists and traitors who hated the Bible, hated our people, and have led us into the chaos we live in today under the banner of a false and contradictory libertarian patriotism. Next book, Why I Left the Christian Church, which chronicles the development of the original messianic Jewish sect, the Nazarenes how their hegemony was usurped and replaced by the Greco-Roman philosophical tradition, beginning with Gnosticism and then with the creation of the Neoplatonic school. Uh, After this, the original Messianic theology was completely abandoned and thus began the rise of Catholic theology, championed by the Eastern Orthodox and the Roman papacy, which leads me to my final work, 130 Reasons to Reject Traditional Christianity for Messianic Judaism, the theology of the seven ecumenical councils in the Eastern and Roman churches refuted, which title is a sufficient description, and I dare the opposing viewer to contact the very best Christian apologist you can find. And if you want him to be able to hang with me for even 10 minutes, you're going to have, want to find like a Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox scholar because the Protestants don't have a clue about the seven ecumenical councils. And bring me the president of the most prestigious Christian seminary you can find, and I will utterly destroy him. I dare you. We'll do a Google Hangout, phone call, whatever you want. Now, my platform website that I created is the Southern Protestant at southernprotestant.com. I have links to all of my stomping grounds on the internet, but I wanted to draw your attention to two sections of this website. I have compiled two libraries. The print library contains many works of philosophical pertinence that are available for free on the internet and provide a complete philosophical curriculum for the professional researcher or advanced layman researcher which covers a ubiquitous array of topics, pertinent to a complete defense of biblical revelation, biblical cosmology, biblical and nationalistic ethics, economics, and politics. The second section I wanted to draw your attention to is the audio library. I know that many folks do not have the time to sit down and read for hours on end, but do have plenty of time to listen to audio lectures and audio books. This is why I created the audio library. This library will be an audio extension of the previous library, where I will constantly be adding to, to further the education of my people, both with my own audio lectures, but also audio books created with the text reader program I have on my computer. And I'll be citing uh, pertinent scholarly works from the Western Protestant tradition, uh, some from medieval tradition. Um, some disputes between Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholic scholars that are very good, some from the early Christian period, some from the ancient world with the Jews. My blog is the thesouthernisraelite.wordpress.com that I constantly update in response to current news and essays I am writing. This YouTube page is something I plan on working on frequently as well, but that is really up to you folks. I have found in the many years that I have been doing apologetics online that doing excruciating research and inflamed debate and controversy to find the best answers to life's questions seems to drive me further away from where I want to be because of a very inconvenient reality. I can't eat books and I can't take care of a family just because I know a ton of stuff. This work takes time and time is money. If I'm not making money from my work then I can no longer pursue this research and this activism. And I plan when I have enough Funding to have my own land and my own homestead. Because I know as soon as I go out publicly and do what I want to do with this, I want to go to these universities and I want to go to these churches. I want to stand there personally and take these institutions down. And I know as soon as I start doing that, I'm going to lose my job. So I need land and some savings, just a little bit of little homestead. I don't care if it's just an acre. I need something where I can take care of myself when the entire society I'm living in just comes crashing in around me. And let me assure the viewer, the position I hold in my country as a member of one of the original families of the Jamestown Settlement, the philosophical platform I present in my books, and the loyalty I have demonstrated for my people that cost me three careers and every friend I have had growing up, and the only serious relationship I have ever had is unmatched in the modern world. There's no one on this earth that I know of, and I know thousands of the best apologists and uh activists their platforms are child's play I know the problems in the modern world and the solutions to these problems better than anyone you will come across in your life I have lived in poverty and ostracism for 15 years for the things I talk about anyone who knows my life knows this this is no game for me the things that I say I take serious as a heart attack and I've paid the price for them so here's my proposal if I could get merely three to five dollars a month for my subscribers let me say that again three to five dollars a month a mere hazelnut latte from you once a month, and I could get this from you on a consistent basis, I could do this work full time. I have linked my Patreon and PayPal accounts in the description of this video. So my work is in your hands, viewer. I pray you will at the very least take these things to heart and put me to the test. If you have any questions, you can comment on this video or email me at southernmessionics at gmail.com. Shalom and peace